So this is the second part of the discussion about the Wheelerhan and Casey dispute resolution uh, case study that we're dealing with in topic seven. So we've got to the point of identifying that alternate dispute resolution processes uh, can lead to an agreed settlement between between the parties, and that this has several benefits over the um, the unknown situation of taking the dispute before the courts. We've also identified that courts do use alternative dispute resolution practices as part of their, um, their, their, their role or their processes. So frequently, particularly in environmental protection and planning matters, we will see instances where the courts will use alternate dispute resolution processes as a way of um, dealing with the matter in the first instance. So the, the, um, the parties may come to the court with a dispute and the court will say, okay, before we move to a formal hearing of this matter, we would like you to go away and undertake a mediation or a negotiation to see if you can come to some resolution between yourselves before you come back to us um, and then we'll see if we need to take it before the court. Here we're on slide number 24 and this is how in New South Wales the Land and Environment Court uses alternative dispute resolution. The Land and Environment Court has used voluntary mediation processes since 1991 in most classes of its jurisdiction. And um, it also makes use of neutral evaluation processes where a mediator is used to, um, to assist the parties come to an agreed settlement. Conciliation conferences are another type of dispute resolution which are offered by the Land and Environment Court. But New South Wales uh, and the Land and Environment Court in particular is not the only place that we see these alternate processes being used. Remember we're talking about Victoria with our case study this week. And in Victoria there is a body called the Civil and Administrative Appeals Tribunal. It will offer both mediation uh, and, and conferencing as a way of trying to achieve dispute resolution before having to go to a formal hearing. And you can see more about that. The, uh, that's the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal on slide 25. Now, the, the Civil and Administrative Tribunal in Victoria, or VCAT, is relevant in particular to our case study this week because it does have a history of involvement in, um, in the circumstances. So in 2004, the Casey Council had actually refused to grant approval for expansion of the TIP 
And this was a uh, decision that was taken to VCAT uh, to, um, to review. So there had been approval sought to expand the landfill site and the council had refused to grant consent. So the proponent then took that, uh, that refusal to the Victorian uh, Civil and Administrative Tribunal to dispute it. And VCAT actually overturned the refusal, so VCAT approved the expansion of the landfill site. And in particular, they recommended a reduction in the recommended buffer zone from 500 metres to 200 metres. That's the recommended buffer zone between the landfill site and residential development. So VCAT's role was to initially um, overturn the decision of the council to refuse expansion of the landfill site. And secondly, they reduced the recommended buffer between residential development and the landfill site from 500 metres to 200 metres. Why did they do that? Well, they did it because 200 metres was the required distance that was found in a relevant state planning policy. So where did the 500 metres come from? Well, the 500 metres was what the Victorian Environment Protection Authority were recommending in their best practice guide. So you had two sources of... Uh, of conflicting information. You had the Victorian EPA publishing a best practice guide which recommended a 500 metre buffer zone, but then you had a state um, planning policy which only required a buffer zone of 200 metres. And the planning policy carries uh, more legal weight than a best practice guide from an agency. So the planning policy as a legislative, um, a part of the legislative regime um, is one that will trump the best practice guide as it did in this instance. So the, the, the VCAT body through its, um, its decision-making is very much involved in this Casey Council um, landfill expansion or landfill uh, management issue and that's more you can see more about that on slide number 25 so back to the settlement that was reached between the affected residents uh, and the council and the EPA not everyone was happy of course with the settlement uh, there were still people who were concerned and their concerns included doubts about longer term health and safety so whether the council would ac actually um, take adequate action to deal with the the gas leakage problem uh, and whether and what were the limits of the agreed compensation scheme so they were concerned with the compensation scheme that had been agreed and um, 
some of the limitations that surrounded who would get compensation or how much compensation would be um, obtained. There are also concerns that there was no apology as part of the settlement. So the council or the EPA were not required to apologise for um, the harm that had been caused. And these are issues that you'll see on slides 26 and 27. In a more general sense, when we're talking here about alternate dispute resolution processes, we've talked about some of the benefits of those, but what are some of the issues that are associated with alternate dispute resolution? One we've already touched on. It's a process that is occurring outside of the, uh, the formal court um, consideration of, of law, so it doesn't develop precedent. Why is that such an issue? Well, it, it offers no further value to similar cases in terms of applying the law. So the role of precedent, as we've seen in our previous examples, is to give some consistency about how the law is going to be applied into the future. So the, the settlement in this case being one that's occurred um, as part of an ADR process means that there is no precedent and so that outcome offers no further value to similar cases about how, um, how they might come to an agreement in the future. In this case, the outcome in the particular case study this week, the outcome was public because of the role of the Supreme Court in giving the final tick to whether or not the agreed settlement was fair and reasonable. But that's not always the case. If often the, um, the dispute resolution may occur behind closed doors, and so the outcome, the negotiations, the arguments are not necessarily public. Also, alternate dispute resolution processes are not really appropriate if the bargaining position of the parties is unequal. So if there's a, if there's a power imbalance between the two parties to the dispute, then a, um, a, a resolution process which is occurring behind closed doors and uh, outside of the rules of, uh, of fairness and justice in the court hearing process um, means, that, means that the outcome may not be a fair or just one. So what about the, the Casey Council? So the issue here is that the settlement between the affected residents and the council and the EPA is not the only way that the Casey Council has been held to account. So over this this um, historic landfill issue. So the the landfill site has also been the subject of an ombudsman's report as well as an auditor general's report. On slide number thirty you'll see that the Ombudsman uh, in Victoria carried out 
an invest in an investigation in 2009, um, finding that the residents of the housing estate were placed at an unnecessary risk by the failure of council to mitigate the risk of landfill gas escaping. There's more findings from the Ombudsman on slide 31 and then also uh, the Ombudsman makes some findings about the Environment Protection Authority on slide 32. Interestingly, in relation to the role of VCAT in overturning Council's um, decision to refuse consent to uh, the proposal to expand the landfill, the uh, Ombudsman felt that Council should have appealed that decision of VCAT on an error of law. You'll see that on slide 33. Of course, remember that if, the count, if that had occurred, that would have been a judicial review because Council would have been appealing decision of the tribunal on a question of law. The Ombudsman also noted that there, the, the council, the Casey Council, had a conflict of interest in that it was the owner of the landfill site and at the same time the Consent Authority for Planning Decisions about um, residential development surrounding the landfill site. And you'll see that on slide number 34. The Attorney General's report findings you can find on slides 37, 38 and 39 uh, and you can see that there are a number of um, adverse findings so even though the council and the affected residents had been through this dispute mediation process and there'd been a settlement reached so the residents had been um, successful in obtaining a settlement and, and gaining compensation for the harms that they'd suffered. The council and the EPA were also subject to um, the gaze of other um, accountability mechani mechanisms, so through the Ombudsman as well as through the uh, Auditor General conducting reviews of what had happened um, at this site and, and the processes. So there are a number of different ways that the council was called to account for their actions in addition to the, um, the resolution process that they went through with affected residents. And that is the extent of the uh, discussion on the case study for this week. So thanks very much.